Welcome to this edition of the Right Angle Podcast. Today we're talking to Charlie Strip about his involvement with the Advanced Mass Support Programme, the NCTM, the history of core maths and his thoughts for the future of maths education and the impact of the pandemic. We do hope you enjoy. First of all, welcome Charlie and thank you for joining us. Do you just want to start for people by giving us a, a little bit of your background and how you got to where you are in education today? Thanks for inviting me, first of all. It's a, very, very pleased to be to be speaking with you. I suppose I, I went to a, you know, a, a, a bog standard comprehensive school, but I was um, I was quite good in maths when I was at school, and that was that was recognised um, yeah. when I was in I, I suppose what used to be year four and five in those days, but it's now year ten and eleven. I, it, yes. It, yeah, my maths teacher recognised I was quite good at maths, and so that actually probably led to me staying on at school because both my brother and sister, who are a bit older than me, they left school at sixteen. Okay. They stayed on at school in the day levels in. Maths, physics, and chemistry. Um, my school didn't offer further maths at that time, so I couldn't do further maths, um, which was a uh, interesting to bear in mind what happened later. Um, <laughs> so I did um, I did maths, physics, and chemistry A levels, yep. and I went to university in Nottingham. And I was you know, okay. like, like a lot of um, there's like a lot of people in teaching around my age, so in their in their fifties. I was the first person in my family to go to university. I think that, right. that, that's um, and yeah, you quite often find that with people in teaching that that's the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and I um I did mathematical physics at university, and in fact um sort of a bit of a confession about how I how I my students are studying and things at that time is that um I started doing a physics degree at university, and I realised right. that physics degrees took um time for labs and experiments and extra lectures and all kinds of other stuff, and I because I was pretty good at maths, so I thought well, if I do mathematical physics, I have fewer lectures and no labs, <laughs> and, that, and which is a terrible reason for 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 choosing your academic path, but actually that was a factor because. The other thing that happened to me at university is that I got into 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 rock climbing and mountaineering, which I yep. I done a little bit for in the Boy Scouts. So I've been climbing a bit. So I grew up south of London um, in West Sussex, East Grinstead, and um, and uh, we, we used to go climbing with with first with the Scouts and then with my mates on just like local sandstone cliffs, top roping. Yeah. Um, and then when I got to university, um, I, I I got into rock climbing and mountaineering and things, and so I kind of um, I kind of balanced my um, my studying with them um, with with rock climbing and mountaineering and probably getting out into the very well. yeah that's right and, and i've always liked um i suppose other outdoor sports running and that kind of thing as well yeah, and yeah. so so I, I did my time at university and um i graduated in the in the, the mid 80s and at that time it was very easy if you had a, a math school type degree to get a job in finance so i got a job right. as, a, as a trainee accountant um because i wasn't really quite sure what i wanted to do but um but i was doing um yeah i was into the climbing so i got a job um down in cornwall right and um so i did lots of climbing on the sea cliffs and all of that and i wasn't really thinking very much about about work i was just going through the motions of doing it and enjoying my climbing and enjoying being in my early 20s if you like and then i i um had quite a bad motorbike accident and that made me kind of reassess what i wanted to do and i thought you know what i don't really like being an accountant that's not really a long-term thing i want to do actually what what i do what i do though is i like maths and so I went to train to be a teacher, and so I went to um, St Luke's uh, College at Exeter University yep. to do a PGCE, and um, in fact, I still live in Exeter now. So that's right. uh, interesting that, that, that I you know, found found a place that I liked I liked to be. But I so I I, I did my 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 PGCE. I started teaching in a I did um, a, a bit of teaching for my teaching practice. Actually, I went to Cornwall, did some teaching there in a, in, a, in the school in Cornwall, and then I taught for. I taught for, for three years at, at Collison Grammar School, which which was a, a a very selective sort of grammar school locally. I didn't really um, understand about selective schools and things in those days, but 
yeah what, what was what was good for me is that um the school had very high expectations of its students and um i kind of just felt that was that was what you did you had high, expect, high expectations of students and so when i moved to other institutions i always carried that with me i think that was a really good thing yeah um, that, that, that um so i then you know my, my my next experience was working in i worked in um in an fe6 from college in exeter for six years which i really enjoyed so i was doing um i was teaching um gcse math reset sometimes but most <laughs> of the time i was teaching a level and Mass and further maths, and also teaching international baccalaureate students. Yep. So quite a wide range of things. And because of the outdoor pursuit stuff, I was also doing um, sort of taking kids on um, on outdoor expeditions and things. And so that that was that was what I was doing as a teacher, and I was really enjoying teaching. You know, it was something that I um, I really enjoyed and wanted to do. I had no um, ambition to, to get out of the the classroom, although I, I was um, I, I did things like um, I, I got involved in, in in tutoring leadership and stuff like that within the college. And so I was I was in, into that kind of thing and. But then I was also trying to drive the kind of the further maths um, provision at the college because there were very few students doing further maths and a very large number of students doing A-level maths. Yeah. And um, and that was uh, yeah, something that I I was yeah, quite proactive about. And then one of my one of my colleagues, um, you don't know quite how to how to take this, do you? One of my colleagues said that there's there's a job I've seen that would, would just just suit you perfectly. Right. <laughs> Obviously trying to get rid of me. The job, <laughs> but, but but the job was a job advertised at MEI. Yeah, and it was a it was a short term contract to go and look at um, to go and look at ways to make it so that that, that young people in the state sector could access further mass A level because it had been recognised by MEI that um, that further mass was really becoming something that, that was done by children went to private school. Yeah, and but also that if you wanted to do a maths degree or a very strong mathematical degree, especially at, at one of the more um, prestigious universities it was a massive advantage to you to have done further maths so okay it just it just simply wasn't fair that, that for a large number of students it wasn't available yeah and um and one of the reasons that i've been keen on teaching it when i was um teaching at the college particularly was because i i hadn't been able to do it when i was a student and um you know mm-hmm. i i i, you know, I, I like maths really enjoyed it i thought actually some of the subjects in further maths is the most enjoyable bits of, of maths yep um at that level and so um and so i applied for the job at MEI and got the job and it was initially a short-term contract um, because they had some funding from from the Gatsby Charles Foundation, which is which is yeah. David Sainsbury. You know, it's the Sainsbury's um, Foundation. They had some funding from that, so I worked on developing a project, developing um, developing a website, which eventually became Integral, which many many of the ah. people listening will know about. Yeah. Um, but also working with universities to try to get universities sort of linking with schools and linking with students pre pre eighteen, with with a view to to, to you know, that being like a way of encouraging a, a, a kind of pipeline of students that might want to study maths at a higher level and um so i was working on that part of what happened during that time the pilot was, went very well um we got different universities involved um, um but one thing that, that was particularly helpful was um that, that adrian smith did his um his making mathematics count reports yep. was written around that time so i've, I've been working at mei for I was joined in 2000. I did the three years of the pilot. Gatsby were very pleased with how the pilot was going, and so they, they said, we, we'll, we'll give you a little bit more funding. And then making mathematics count happen. And part of that is that I got interviewed by Adrian Smith. He wanted to know what we were doing with further maths and how that was how that right. was looking, which was um, which was pretty scary actually, because Adrian <laughs> Smith is a pretty scary bloke. Um, he's a very and, sharp character. He's a yeah, well, well, I mean, you know, he's 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 you know, he's somebody who knows we're talking about. Yeah, and. Um, I had, a, I had a meeting with him and you know, it, it seemed to go okay, but I wasn't really sure. Um, but anyway, following on from that, 
that actually led to MEI being funded to roll out what was the, literally the further mass network yeah. nationally. And so that started till 2005. Mm-hmm. And what's, what's, what's good about, about this really is that the further mass network, it, it became the further mass support program. Yep. And then it eventually became the advanced mass support program. But it yep. means that that period from 2005 up to now, so 16 years later, that that work to essentially to support improvements in level three math provision and raise participation yeah. in maths at that level has been funded by successive governments for 16 years, which, which is great. Yeah. It started off the further maths network, the original program had a very strong focus just on further maths A-level. Yeah. But then what, what, what happened with the, what, what became the further maths support program was that it was then thinking, okay, it'll be, we actually want more support for A-level maths and A-level maths teachers as well. Yeah. Um, and so you know, lots of professional development through the program and lots of work with students just, um, I suppose, helping to um, raise their aspirations and sort of understand why why maths was a good thing to do. And yep. so the, the Further Maths Support Programme was looking at both AS and A-level maths and AS and A-level further maths. Yep. And then core maths had been introduced um, around that time and MEI had actually been, you know, we, we'd, we'd done some work on actually initiating the work that became core maths because we felt there was yeah. a a big gap in the system, which I'll, I'll talk more about. So, that. so how? Yeah, I was going to say, how did that? How did the core maths come about? Well, what, 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 the, the way it worked to start with is that we had um, a couple of things happen. First of all, um, I worked with the um, the Cloth Workers Foundation, provided us with some funding mm-hmm. that enabled us to do a bit of work. It was called um, it was well, it was called the IMPS project, um, Integrated Mathematical Problem Solving Project. In, in, yep. Really looking at maths across other A-level subjects and how you could support that well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but we were also because I was um, running the the, the, the what was then the Further Math Support Program, and um, by then I was Chief Executive of MEI as well. And we were also linking with um, with governments a bit about things, and they they, they realised that there was a report published by the Nuffield Foundation called "Is the UK an Outlier?" around okay. this time, and it said that it showed that. Yeah, a very large number of young people drop maths in age 16, yep. even though they have in those days got a grade C at GCSE and today got a grade four all above at GCSE. Um, and that was unusual for a developed country, but that isn't what normally happens. Mm. I mean, what, what normally happens in most developed countries actually is that they have a, they have some kind of baccalaureate type system post 16, which means that everyone does a bit of maths depending on, mm-hmm. on you know, what, what, what their, their, their sort of strengths aspirations are. But um but you know, we didn't have that here in the same way. If you wanted to do maths post 16, essentially what you did was ASA level maths. Mm-hmm. And if you're, um, if you're a student doing, I don't know, you're interested in social sciences or humanities, you know, what, what, why, would you necessarily, why would you necessarily do that? Yep. And so that, mean, that means that a, large, you know, a much larger portion of our population, if you like, stopped studying maths earlier than, than for, other, for other countries. Yep. And so the, the, we, we kind of pitched this, um, this, this core maths idea to, to government and they, they picked up on it and that led to forming a kind of um, a kind of a working group um, involving some people from Cambridge University so I had a, a very sort of um, interesting experience of chairing meetings that had um, <laughs> Professor Sir David Spiegelhalter and Professor Tur- Sir Timothy Gowers were in, in the meetings that I was chairing which is which is you know imposter syndrome doesn't begin to doesn't begin to uh, to describe what, that, that but but actually out of that work came a report that MEI produced around around um, something that eventually was it was called critical maths at that point. They're calling it critical maths, but yeah. that, but that work, which was funded by the DfE, then went on to to, to inform the awarding bodies 
developments of core mass qualifications. Yep. And we launched also, core mass, was it, I think it was 2016, and, and it's yep. seen quite some quite phenomenal growth since. In the same yep. way that, you know, since the, the further mass support programme, mm. uh, that's been absolutely crucial in the growth of further maths over the past 15 yep. years. I, I can talk a bit about numbers, actually. So when, when, um, when the, 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 the work first started, so when the further mass network first began, if you like, in 2005, there were, in round numbers, there were, there were 50,000 A-level math students, a little bit, yep. little bit fewer than that. There are now in round numbers 100,000, a little yep. bit fewer than that. So doubled. Um, it, further mass in round numbers 5,000 then, 15,000 now. So just about trebled. Yep. So that's, uh, you know, that, that's, and, and that's, you know, I mean, obviously cohort sizes change all those things, but actually that, that's really very significant growth. No other subject has shown, no other mainstream subject has shown growth like that. So that's, uh, that, 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 you know, shows how the profile of maths has, has increased, its importance has been recognised. And I think that a lot, I like to think that, that our work has been part of that. Yep. Um, with core mass, as you say, it started in 2016 with, with small numbers, but year on year from 2016 up to 2020, numbers grew by about, on average, about 30% a year. So mm -hmm. there's now about 12,000 students. It, it stalled a bit last year, because, uh, <laughs> or this year, because, uh, but not surprisingly, because if you want to offer core mass in your institution, that, that's quite a big deal. Yeah. You're not going to start, you want to launch a new subject in the middle of a, in the middle of a, a pandemic. So the numbers yep. are stalled at around 12,000 at the moment, but the point about so if, if, if we've got people out there who may not be as well aware of, of the purpose of core maths, yep. where would you where would you place it? Where, where would you recommend okay. it for at the moment, especially right. in light of the difficulties and confidence that some students may be facing at the okay. moment? So the, the, the original ideas behind core maths, well, first of all, that maths, maths and statistics are kind of ubiquitous in society now. And it, so if, you, if you're doing A-levels in, in, we talked about social sciences, humanities type things, you know, and you want to do further study or employment in, in those types of areas, you still need a kind of an understanding of, of how to apply maths and understand and interpret statistics, statistics and, and statistical information at a, at a higher and a more mature level than you're going to get at GCSE. And yeah. so therefore it will support and it does support those, those other courses. And in fact, we, we, the AMSP is now working with the Association of Teachers of Psychology, the um, Royal Geographical Society and the and the and the Association of Science Educators looking at biology, really trying to to recognise how important it is for students of those subjects to do core maths because it will really help you. Yep. The, the other thing about the other reason I'd say that people should do core maths is because if you want to be an effective citizen in the modern, modern world, you need you need that level of um of I suppose quantitative statistical sophistication. And yeah, yep. we've all been over the, the pandemic bombarded with uh, with data and uh, and and graphs and some bit not tremendously well presented necessarily. And um, we, we, we've got to try and make sense of that as citizens. Um, and you yep. know, part of our education system is, is surely it's to equip people to be effective citizens. And so yep. I think that um, thing around core maths is that I talked earlier about how people drop maths at 16. Well, so of students that achieve a grade four or higher in GCSE maths at age 16, we're talking about 300,000 plus each year stop studying maths. Yeah. So that is the potential cohort for core maths. And the thing about core maths is that it's not um, it's not a, something you do instead of other things. I mean, if, if you're doing if you're doing AS A level maths, then you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily do core maths. Yeah. But but it's something you do as well as alongside. So if you're doing a three A level program, or you're doing say a T level or something like that, then you would do core maths alongside that to support your your study in, in, in that subject, to support what you're going to do in the future, and also to support you to become an effective citizen. Yeah. So it's um so you know that there's a but what what, we, what it needs I think is you know, we just need more schools and colleges to, to, to want to, to, to want to want to offer it. And what that needs is, is it needs, it needs that the, the kind of the, 
the conditions to be right for that to happen. And we've yes. started to get um, interest in universities now and some universities specifying, not, not, not saying you must do core maths, but saying mm -hmm. if you do core maths, then we'll, we'll recognise that we might reduce your offer and we'll, we'll, certainly, we'll certainly encourage you to do it. Is there anywhere that people can get information on those institutions? Um, there is information is available through the Advanced Mass Support Programme website, but also I mean, I can, uh, the universities that immediately spring to mind that have been pioneering in this. I think that Bath, um, Aston, Sheffield, York have, have been have been you know, pioneering this. But 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 it's um, but we also know that some universities are, are mentioning it um, explicitly, uh, you know, in their in their their kind of recruitment materials. Other mm -hmm. universities we know from from students that. When the university has seen the student is doing core maths, they've then said, "Okay, because you're doing core maths, even though we haven't said that in what you've seen up to now, we're gonna we're gonna make you a, a preferential offer because we really like core maths." So that's that's starting to change. Um, I'd say that the, another thing that people worry about is 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 you know, teacher capacity. Obviously, people that can teach maths are, are, are in a premium, but yeah. um, professional development for all of this, you know, the, the advanced maths support program provides free professional development for for core maths and also. Um, extensive, you know, really high quality resources as well. So we're trying to make it as easy as possible for schools, to, schools and colleges to offer core maths. So if you're, um, you know, if you're if you're in a working institution that doesn't offer core maths and you, you've got post 16 students, and you're interested in that, then get in touch with the AMSP because th th they will they will want to help you. And, it, and I go. think it's also worthwhile because it's a course that I did um, when I started teaching. You know, the, the courses that the AMSP put on in terms of the teaching A level maths course, the teaching further maths course. Whenever I was a head of department and I got a new starter in my department, I would automatically it was the default setting that they should go on those courses, and they've been tremendously well received by by schools. Yeah, I mean, uh, just in the last the last um, the last year, so, um, I think that eleven and a half thousand teacher days of level three maths professional development. So that's um, yeah, that, 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 that's not small, is it? It's it's, it's a big no. scale thing. Uh, and um, as you say, Mark, I mean, I, I you know, obviously I, 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 you know, the role I have now, I'm kind of sort of fronting and speaking about what the what the AMSP does. But but something that I can always rely on is that um, the quality of what is done, I, I have complete faith in. I, I you know, I, I, don't, yeah. I don't come across people who say I did this AMSP course and it was rubbish. You know, that that, that doesn't no, it happen. doesn't happen. Do, um, do you so, miss getting involved in the day to day delivering yes. of the course and stuff? I miss I miss getting involved in those day delivering of the course. Not I miss teaching students as well. I, I try to yeah. do bits of that when I can, but it's but it's not you know that, that that's not my role anymore. But um but I I didn't <laughs> I didn't um I didn't stop doing it because I wanted to. I stopped doing it because because of how things developed. So yep yeah, and it's also worthwhile mentioning the uh, the networks of the AMSP that that people can attend and share ideas as well. I think yeah, that's there's right. a so, lot of those every year. Yeah. So again, I mean, if if you're not if you're not linking with the AMSP, you know, go, go to the website and have a look, and and, and the, 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 there are, there are routes from there as to how you can find out about about you know, local provision and everything that can support you or, or and national programs as well. That's so, something else that, that I wanted to talk about the AMSP is that there's also, um, I know it, it, we, the current situation we're in where the where the GCSE assessments and everything have, haven't haven't happened as the, as they normally would, and we've got yeah. people starting year twelve who are in a very different place to where they would have been in the past. Yeah. And one of the things the AMSP is doing at the moment is is lots of support for that tr transition into um, it from 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 I suppose from from GCSE into into Masail of Land into Core Maths as well. So there's really good materials um, uh, available for that. Yeah, about uh, yeah, just just trying to to help that 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 transition change. Yeah. So yeah. Um, you know, if, if you're in, in that position of thinking that you're you're worried about the the students that have, have started this this academic year do have a look at what's there because a, a 
great deal of thought has gone into that. We, you know, we consulted, um, we consulted, you know, I mean, lots of our staff are, are recent practicing teachers, but we also consulted people out out there, you know, at the chalk face, if you like, saying, you know, what, what is it that would help you? Yep. Uh, that, those are the kind of things that we've tried to produce. So there's there's a lot of a lot of material there for that. So, I mean, that's the the advanced math support program, which in any other podcast would be material for an entire podcast in itself. But we need to talk about the National Centre of Excellence for Teaching Mathematics as well. Yep. OK. Would you, well, would you like to run us through the history of that one for people? OK, well, the history of the NCTM, well, I haven't been involved in it right from the very start because it, 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 it was something else that came out of that of that um, very important Making Mathematics Count report that Adrian Smith wrote in 2000, published in 2004-05, I think. Mm-hmm. But, um, but um, so the, the, the NCTM, National Centre for Excellence in the Teaching of Mathematics, it started then, um, but um, but it, it's in its current, you know, I, mean, I suppose really it's, so it's been around since then, but it's kind of changed in character a bit. And I, I think that I got particularly involved in the NCTM from around 2010, because MEI started to, 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 to be a, a kind of a consortium partner working with yep. the NCTM. And I, I was involved in the, um, in the, the kind of consortium board of the NCTM at that point. But then um, in 2013, um, you know, uh, a seismic moment, I think that, that Celia Hoyle's finally retired. And um, you know, um, obviously, a, 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 you know, a, a, how do you follow that? Um, but, um, but, but, but something that I thought about at that time, and um, you know, MUI is a, is, a, is a national charity, and so I'm, I'm the, the, the chief executive of a charity, and yeah. I have trustees who, who, who kind of um, you know, provide the governance of MEI and who, who are, I'm answerable to. And um, I, I said, well, you know, this, this role at NCTM is, is coming up and um, I'm actually quite interested in how working more um, NCTM has got, it's got reaching to it, it, it right through from early years, primary, right through secondary into post-16. And, you know, I feel that it, it's an area, you know, MEI would love to have sort of, you know, more, more influence with, with mass education right across the board. And you know, there's opportunity for some coherence in all of that thinking, yeah. if you like. So. Um, you know, what do you think about the, the possibility of me applying to to, to be the, the director of the NCTM? And um, you know, it was thought about quite carefully, but we thought, okay, that, that, that we'll give that a go and see what happens. And I applied for the role and, and, and got the job, which is which was which was great. Um, but you know, since then, uh, uh, I mean, I can never, I can never quite get my head around how how long a period of time it is because it seems to have flashed by so quickly. So. So I became director of the NCETM in 2013. So you know that, that's eight, eight years. Um, and when I, you know, when, when I started, we 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 had, yeah, we, we were looking at sort of primary and secondary um, maths and and thinking particularly about um, about professional development of teachers, and that, that that's always been the, the the bedrock of what the NCTM is concerned with. But um, something that, that, that there was there was a couple of ideas that we that we'd had. What what one idea was that um, was that the, the kind of the, the the white paper at that time with, with, with the new government in 2010 was called the importance of teaching um you know uh, w- for, for better or worse the idea was that that, that more, there'll be more kind of um more kind of power and leadership from within schools rather than pe- things coming from yeah. from the outside and you know I, I don't have a kind of a you know I, I divorce any sort of politics from from my work completely I'm just saying you no know, this is the situation we're in in terms of how things are, are working, how can we make that work as well as it can for maths education? Yeah. And so the so what, what we we thought about was that the NCTM exists and can provide kind of national expertise in professional development, 
Mm-hmm. But what? But, but what we what? Let, let's try and ha- let's try and have that coordinated. You know, kind of a school-led system with, with a network of mass hubs, and that's yep. where the mass hubs network came from. We, we 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 didn't call them that originally. We had different kind of models for this, but but we but we we experimented with this and and, and showed this could work and got yep. and and yeah. So so the mass hubs program kind of came out of that. Because how many but, mass hubs did you start with? Oh, I think we started just the, the, the kind of the kind of original pilot. I think there were just maybe maybe two, three, four, five, just be, just beginning. But then mm-hmm. the other thing that happened around that time, which was a, was a bit of a a bit of a a, a different thing, is that um, is that you know, the 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 results from um, from Pisa were, were out. Yes, and, and, and in Shanghai had scored extraordinarily well in Pisa, and um, you think, oh, Shanghai, that that's just a city. Well. It's a city with 25 point something million people in it. It's roughly the same population as Australia. So you've got to you've got to sort of sit up and take notice a bit with with one with one sort of place that that big. And so I was kind of um, well, I, I I was I don't think I was necessarily really given much choice that I should go to Shanghai and have a look, right? And try and, and try and work out what it was that they were doing so that we could try and do some of that here. And I was very very worried about that because I thought okay. that. Um, I had some um, some kind of stereotypes of um, you know oppressed children sitting in yeah sitting in um, in um, very kind of austere classrooms having having mass drilled into them by rotes was what I was worrying about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I have to admit I was I'm, I'm now quite ashamed that I thought that because um, because when I actually went to Shanghai, what I saw was some really fantastic mass teaching and right. some really fantastic mass teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, and what had happened there is that a great deal of thought had gone into the design of their curriculum research into how children learn most effectively and trying to implement that in a kind of a a way where there's a kind of a continual feedback you know because some of the teachers are working together in their schools um planning planning lessons together working together on things using have a common textbook system and that kind of thing but they're but they're they're working on things together and exchanging ideas but then that's also going on between schools okay and and and, and you know the shanghai normal university trains the, the large majority of teachers that work in Shanghai and there's a there's a lead from there that there's a municipal education authority which kind of oversees lots of this as well and they all work together in a very collaborative way mm-hmm. um, with the idea of trying to improve what they do informed by research and informed by their own practice yeah and so what, what, I, what I, um, so looking at that I thought well well you know actually I'm seeing some really fantastic mass teaching um, I was a bit worried because um, because you know I, I came back and said I've seen some really fantastic mass teaching and I think that there are things that we can learn from this that we might be able to 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 do something with here in England and we've got mm-hmm. you know through the NCTM and the mass hubs it might be possible for us to do something with this and um, what 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 came out of that was well you know would would you like to to, to have an, an exchange to Shanghai um so take take some teachers over there to have a look and you know, perhaps get some teachers back from Shanghai who can who can try out some of what they do in our schools here. Mm-hmm. And that was um, that was quite a scary thing to do because I mean we had the I went to Shanghai in February of 2014, and we ran um, a teacher exchange awesome of that year. Wow! Um, and what I was really worried about was that I'd gone out and looked at primary and secondary teaching. Now when I when I yeah, up until 2010 when I started to get some involvement with the NCTM, I didn't really know anything about primary maths teaching at all. I still wouldn't describe myself an expert by any stretch, but I've learned a huge amount about primary maths since then, and fully understand how important it is and how easy it is for um for for secondary teachers to trivialise it as well. 
or, or, or post-16 teachers in particular, I'd, I'd argue. But um, anyway, um, I am, um, I, you know, I, we, we, we ran the exchange, we took these teachers out. What I was worried about was that, um, was that I, I looked at primary maths and secondary, and I thought, well, this primary teacher looks pretty fantastic to me as well. But I thought, you know, are, are the primary teachers that we bring out from England going to think this, this primary teacher? You know, will, will Debbie Morgan, you know, the, 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 the primary director, when she sees this at first hand, will, will she have the same, um, the same opinion about it as I do? Mm -hmm. you know, and, and Carol Knight, uh, uh, yeah, uh, thinking about the secondary as well. But so it was a huge relief to me when we did the exchange that people were, they had the same experience as me. They came out being really kind of concerned about what they what they might see and actually thinking you know we're not naively thinking that that you can just say they do this they do things in this way in china so we can do things in this way here that, that's not yeah. it at all but it's that we can see how by teachers working together and with a kind of a coherent approach that you can you can embed really good mass teaching at scale in a system and that's okay. what i was really interested in it was it was yep. the idea you know i mean we have you know, many, we've got fantastic mass teaching here in this country, but we've also got some mass teaching that isn't fantastic. Um, there's a whole range of things going on for all kinds of reasons that are quite understandable, but are there ways that we can, that we can try to get some, some, some kind of at scale embedding of really good practice here in, in, in England? And that, that, that's, that's what, um, that's what we, that's what the Teacher Mastery Programme is all about. That's where it yeah. came from. But it, but it's, but what we've done is we've, um, we've developed a programme that is underpinned by those principles, but which works in in our in our in, in the way that we operate things here in England. And so I we're talking about that. What, are we talking about the PD leads, professional development leads for the yeah, mastery? We, 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 well, I'll, I'll I'll kind of explain the system really. So, um, what what the way that, that the program is is disseminated is that the NCTM each year trains teacher mastery specialists at primary level and at secondary. So mm -hmm. primary is um is is you know, key stages one and two, secondary focusing on key stage three for the training. Um, and the specialists, uh, at primary, they get a year of training um, from NCTM and they're, they're working in, 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 in groups, working together. They form a very cohesive unit, actually. They're, they're, you know, we really try to encourage collaboration, people learning from each other all the time as well. Yep. But they become a, 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 the idea is in their first year, they're learning all about this sort of teaching martial idiom. I'll tell you a bit more about that, about the underpinning principles of that in a moment. But they're learning all about that, and they're also trying to trying to embed it in their own school. And that that takes a long time. It takes more than a year to do that. But but just you know, get yeah. the get 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 the the, the 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 fundamentals of it understood and, and starting to move that forward. And then after that, they work through their mass through their local mass hub. They work to try to um, to try to to get other schools involved in teaching martial arts. So they, they typically work with six other schools. Right. Um, to try to get them involved and then and then those schools have a year when they're doing their development year mm -hmm. with the specialist and then after that they're they're in they're, they're still continuing to work with mass hub in, in what we call work groups so they're doing like sustained professional development still but they're then embedding and sustaining what they've learned so it's a part of the whole thing behind this is to try to get it so that cpd is properly embedded in teachers in teachers working practice you know you're, you're, you're kind of always doing it and you're doing it within your own institution and you're doing it between teachers from other local schools as well so at primary specialists train for a year and they start working with other schools and they're, and they're always learning all the time and they're learning and the nctm is always learning from their practice as well so it's a really collaborative thing at secondary secondary started a little bit later um so it's really started a year later in terms of getting the specialist training and program um, fully embedded, but it's secondary. The, um, the specialists actually they have two years of training, 
Okay. So they learn, they learn about teacher mastery and then they're trying to embed it in their own departments. But obviously in, in a secondary school, there's a there's a department of people that you're working with. It's a different it's yep. a different thing to a primary school. So they have two years of training and then they start to work with other schools, but typically two or maybe three other schools, not not not, not six or seven. Because yep. again, it's a, a and so that, that that's the kind of the, the mechanism for the program. But the NCTM and through the Mass Hub, each Mass Hub has a has a, like a, a skilled primary teacher of mastery lead that has time available to do that role in the school teaching for secondary mastery leads that kind of coordinates how this works in a hub. Yep. Um, but what, what's happening here is that there's kind of the, the expertise um, developed by the NCTM working to, to, to train practicing classroom teachers to become experts who can offer professional development to other teachers while still maintaining their, their, their classroom role. So it's not a kind yeah. of a, a done to, you know, theoretical thing you know the, the people that are that you're working with that, that are helping you to, to learn how to do teaching mastery and embed that in your school are doing that themselves yeah so it's so it, it's it's real in that it's really real in that sense and that, that, that's how the program works and so um so how many you, people have we had go through the okay right I, I, I thought you might ask me that mark so 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 primary um since 2015 i think when they, when they first finished training specialists there have been over 900 specialists have been trained wow. And over nine thousand schools have been involved in the program. Right. So there, are, there are about seventeen thousand secondary, uh, seventeen thousand primary schools. Mm -hmm. So you're looking at more than half of primary schools have been involved in, in the teacher mastery program. At secondary, we've now trained a little bit over seven hundred secondary teacher mastery specialists, and more than twelve hundred schools have been involved in the program. And there's about three thousand four hundred secondary schools. So you can see the reach of this is, is yeah. you know, it, it, and, but it, it's, you know, it, what the, 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 a really important thing to say about this is that this is not a quick fix initiative. Yes. It's a long term change in, 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 in approach to mass teaching that we're trying to do. And and what, 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 what is kind of the biggest hurdle in terms of embedding different on new practice in, in, a, in schools? OK, well, I think in in primary schools, I think that um, I think that, that, that teachers are very receptive to support with teaching maths because many, mm -hmm. many primary teachers aren't tremendously competent about teaching maths, but, but every primary teacher I've ever encountered is hugely committed to wanting to do what they do as well as they possibly can and yeah. really try and make things work. So in primary, I think that, um, that, the, I think that, that it, it's, it's actually easier than it is in secondary from this point of view. So I think in primary, people once people recognise the... That, that, that you know this really does seem to work and it makes sense then that, that, that that's great it can work well i mean different things i suppose that um one thing i learned a bit about primary teaching is that i i sort of found out that it was quite it wasn't at all unusual that, that when children are very small you know so when they start primary school somebody decides almost um with the best of intentions how good they think they are at maths and says you know we, we think you're going to struggle a little bit so you we'll, we'll put you on this table over here Okay. Whereas this other child seems to be very, very sort of bright and confident. We'll put them on that table over there. Mm -hmm. And then there's kind of almost subliminally sometimes you feel there's a kind of yeah. differentiated curriculum and differentiated attitude. Pigeonholing. Yeah, pigeonholing. And, what, well, and the thing about it is that come the end of key stage two, the children that people thought were going to be really good at maths, they've done really well. And the children that people thought weren't <laughs> going to be very good at maths haven't done so well. But actually, it's become a self-fulfilling prophecy, hasn't it? Yeah. So, so. Um, and done with the best of intentions. So what, one of the things that we, that we, we, we did really try to, to, to change with the schools that get involved in the programme is don't do that. Assume that all children 
can learn maths and succeed in it. The fact that they that they come that they they're very sort of confident and articulate and everything, you know that that's yeah that that, that, that that's not that's not the point. You know that they, yeah. they try to try to you know, teach them together. I mean, sort of whole, so whole class teaching is a really important thing. It, 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 and, and that that is one of the things that perhaps people were a bit suspicious of to start with. But actually, I think we've won the argument. You know, people people have seen have seen have seen the evidence of it, of how yeah. it can work. Um, I think it's secondary. Um, one of the difficulties at secondary is that key stage three is absolutely crucial, mm-hmm. but it isn't necessarily the top priority of many secondary schools because everything goes towards the GCSE and the exam results. And what that can mean is that key stage three maybe is a bit neglected. You know, you, you remember the, the Ofsted report, key stage three, the wasted years and yep. all of that. I've recently written an NCCM blog. It's called key stage three, the, the crucial years and something like that, because I think, it, 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 you know, actually, you know, we, we really should recognise that that's when you, know, you, you want, I mean, children that don't get a grade C or in, in the past or a grade four or above in GCSE maths, they don't do that because they haven't mastered the key stage four curriculum. That happens yeah. because they haven't mastered the key stage three curriculum. Mm-hmm. And so, so we're so we're really, we're really trying to get a, a stronger focus on key stage three. And also, I think the other thing about about secondary is that secondary school teachers are, are very experienced math teachers. They they they, they yeah. you know. And, and if you're saying actually we want you to we want you to, do, to do something a bit different to what you used to do, well, you, you know, you're, you're, we're talking to experts and we're trying to say we want you to do something different. Well, you know, we, we've got to be we've got to be very careful about that and get that right and and, and try to try to sort of bring people on board with what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I think that, that those are where the where the, the 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 barriers can be. I think is, it? but but you know, one thing I would say is that um, one thing that happens is that teach, people that train to be specialists. They 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 they're put forward. You know, they, they 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 get their school's permission, if you like, to say oh, I'd like to be a teacher mastery specialist, and they go on teach mastery specialist program. And for example, this year I think we've got um, 111 or 112 secondary teacher mastery specialists are starting, and I think that. 37 of them, I think is the right number, mm-hmm. have been involved in the program before because their school was involved working with another specialist. OK, and that for me is a, is a, is a tremendous endorsement of the program because people yeah. say, you know, that they, 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 I've seen this, I've seen how it works and I think this is a really good thing and I want to make it, I want to make that something that I do and something that is how I, I, I can sort of, you know, work to improve maths education in my school and in other schools as well. So if we've got listeners out there that um, their school isn't involved, where's the best place for them to go to get information? Right. Okay. If you're, I, I, and I say for, for the secondary, the secondary um, teacher mastery program, we're 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 still recruiting at the moment. I, I I'd also say that that there's a, there's a, there may be a there may be a feeling that, you know, it, it, everything is so difficult at the moment. You know, we've got all the COVID trauma and everything, and you know, it, it's really hard out there. But actually, I, I would argue that getting involved in this program will help rather than get in the way of of, of what you're trying to do at the moment with with, with trying to. So you know, help your your students to recover from the from the disruption from COVID. So I think if you're if you're in the position of thinking, oh, I'll just keep my head down for a year. <laughs> so you know, actually, I, I can un- I absolutely understand that that thinking. But I'd also say, have a look at this. Don't, don't dismiss it and say that's not the right thing for me to do now because I think it it could well be. So I'd say again, NC10 website is the place to go, and go go for the for the teaching for mastery. Um, and then, yeah, then sort of look down at the secondary stuff on the on the on the NCCM website. And the other thing to do is that your local maths hub, you go to the maths hub page. Again, you can get stuff from the NCCM website. Find your local maths hub. Talk to them. They'll be really, really keen to talk to you about it. Um, but the the other things that are that are happening at the moment that, that with um, with secondary and NCCM stuff is that the um, 
there's a, a, a program called Checkpoints, which is mm-hmm. um, which is some really, really well. I, I would say this, wouldn't I? But but there's some absolutely <laughs> fantastic, absolutely fantastic resources that have been produced by this, by Carol Knights, who's the second director and, uh, and team, that are all about um, are all about really ensuring sort of properly understood foundations from key stage two going into key stage three. And mm-hmm. have a look at the resources. It's all free. Have a look at the resources and see what you think. But but um, but there's they're extensive. So there's enough resources there for. I think that there's that there's sort of three kind of um, sort of it's ten to ten to twenty minute slots of work per week for okay. a school year is is available there. But um, so that that's another thing to to look at. Something else is that again, um, very relevant to, to segmentees is that the NCTM has just jointly with the DFE published um key stage screen non-statutory guidance for maths okay and i'd say really go and have a look at that as well because the whole idea of teaching martial i need to please explain a bit about the principles of it is that it's it's all about developing deep understanding of masculine ideas it's underpinned by a kind of growth mindset idea which again going back to what i was saying about primary children in the past a bit earlier that you know the idea is that whoever you are however bad you think you are at maths if you work in the right way and try, you will get better at it. One of the things that, that you, you I, I, I've had this conversation with many people, actually, they completely believe in the idea of growth mindset. And you say, well, but then they'll say, but that doesn't apply to maths. Yes. Yeah, you know, I'm not a maths person or, or, or I'm a maths person. And, yeah, and but, potentially the attitude yeah. that you sometimes come across, it, it's OK to be to say that you're no good at maths in this country, which is yeah. different from my experiences working in another country. Exactly, exactly right. Exactly right. So 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 the, the so the, the growth mindset underpins all the idea that if you if you if you work hard and work intelligently in maths and uh, then then and by working intelligently i don't mean i don't mean maths intelligent i mean the way you're working the way you're being taught is intelligent if that's happening then you will get better at maths so that underpins it but then there's really this kind of deep engagement idea i mean you can, you can find out the principles of teaching martial everything on the ncsa website but trying to summarize it this kind of idea of trying to get sort of proper deep engagement with things so if you look at like like um the kind of questioning that might go on so is um so you so yeah, you might ask what the answer is to a question and so yeah, a child uh, a student in the classroom will say yeah the answer is this so you say to the student okay how did you work that out so the student will explain how they worked it out you say okay why did that work so there, there's a there's a there's a quite a, 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 a there's a research paper quite quite a well-known research paper it's called the answer is only the beginning and it's, it's really right. getting that that across because when you're when you're forcing either an individual student or, or the class to think more deeply about something you're engaging those kind of cognitive pathways, and they're 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 they're, they're thinking more deeply about the mass. Yeah, you know, I mean, what is it? Le- le- learning is the is, or is memory is the residue of thoughts. You know, the idea that if you if you if you mm-hmm. think hard about something, you're m- much more likely to to retain it and understand it. So really trying to trying to stimulate that hard thinking about maths. I, th- I think there's going to be a lot of people suddenly googling the answer is only the beginning after this <laughs> okay. one. <laughs> okay. So- I mean, we couldn't we 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 couldn't record this podcast with that with you without without at least considering what your thoughts are on the impact of the pandemic and kind of are there any positives that come out of it of, of, and things that we desperately need to do for the future? Okay, so impact of the pandemic, I think you know it, it's obviously it, it's a tragedy that it's happened and that so many young mm. people's education has been disrupted and it's been it's been a, a nightmare for teachers. I mean, I, I, I've, yes. I, I've kind of, I've kind of almost felt guilty that I'm not in the classroom and I've seen what, 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 what you know, I mean, you know, friends of mine or, 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 you know, people that I know through, through my work are going through with, with, with having to deal with, with, with what's happened with the pandemic. I mean, you know, um, teacher assessed grades and all that kind of thing, you know, that, yeah. that, 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 that there's been some very, very, um, 
well, some amazing quantities of of, of work and, and commitment shown by by, by teachers. Um, so I think I worry, you know, I do worry about about sort of some of the foundations of, of mathematics because math builds on itself all the time. You know, mm-hmm. we, 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 when your when your education is disrupted, then you know you can't you can't kind of just forget about that bit and, and pick it up later and pick pick up a, a further along if you like. You've got to get everything right. The, the the other worry about it is how children with different home circumstances and everything have been affected differently. Yeah, and, you know, and 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 how unfair that is. You know, and, and well, but but having said that, and again, this is this is anecdotal really, but but quite a lot of anecdotes of people saying that that you know that that children that have been have been sort of taught in this kind of teaching for mastery way, if you like, mm-hmm. m- maybe their learning is a bit more robust. M- maybe, okay. maybe, yeah. Um, and, and I also think that if you're trying to if you're trying to sort of make up for that for that disruption, that then you know, really really building very firm mathematical foundations is is, is the is the key. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, so some, uh, uh, there's a graph that I often use. It's um, it's from a, a Japanese researcher called Akihiko Takahashi. I remember the name; it's such a great name. But it's um, but he 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 plots some he plots the a graph. It's very difficult to do a graph on a podcast, and you can tell my maths person. So, <laughs> so, so, so the horizontal axis says how much of the Tim's curriculum. So the, the Tim's is the trends in maths and science study. So it's, yep. it's, a, it's a t- an international maths test done by lots of countries. And across the bottom, there's um, there's the proportion of 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 the the, the country's curric- of the Tim's curriculum that is covered by the country's curriculum by okay. the point the point the test is taken. And up the side is the, is the average score for some for, for a student from that country. And if you look at the graph, then you so countries like Singapore, they've covered loads of the curriculum. They've scored brilliantly. Yep. Okay. Countries like the US, or a bit more like 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 us in the past, they covered a a lot of the curriculum, but they haven't scored very well. International average has scored not very well and hasn't covered much of the curriculum. Japan covered even less of the curriculum than the international average and scored not as high as Singapore, but much higher than countries that have covered a lot more of the curriculum. Interesting. It's, and it's because I mean I have this 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 it's un, yeah, what you want for a maths education is for people to be able to use the understand the understanding they've got to be able to work things out and use the maths. And when you just do curriculum coverage without proper understanding, you can kind of train kids to get answers right, but you're not really training them to think mathematically. And if mm-hmm. you can do this deeper this deeper um, learning of fundamental things, then you're actually you're actually giving um, students you know a much more useful firm foundation in mathematical understanding and, and what happens is that is that if that firm foundation is built in key stages one two and three by the time key stage four comes along you can just you, you're, you're ready for liftoff if you like yeah because you've got that deep understanding of proportional relationships and and the, the, the number system and everything and, and that means that suddenly you can you can do so much more so sometimes it looks like um it looks like you're going very slowly but you go slow now because it means you can go faster later because you've got those foundations there. So it so sounds like you need to do another exchange yeah. to uh, Japan next. But sorry, maybe, go on. Maybe, well, well, but I mean, it, so the, 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 these these principles are are shared by kind of far eastern yeah. jurisdictions, uh, and they don't have this. You know, you're born bad at maths attitude either. They just have a yeah. you know, right. So going back to going back to what you're saying. So I think that that for the, from the pandemic, a big thing that's happened, and this is for for experience experience of the of the AMSP and the NCTM, is there used to be, AMSP in the past has delivered lots of online professional development, mm-hmm. but never had fantastic engagement. Mm-hmm. The people that engaged with it thought it was great, but yeah. loads and loads of teachers stuff didn't engage. The pandemic has forced 
you know, because there was no alternative really. It's forced teachers initially to engage, if they wanted to do some federal development, they need to engage with the technology. And now that barrier has been broken. I think mm -hmm. that something that, that, that I think is valuable for the future is the idea that it can make professional development and teachers working together collaboratively as well, much more practical to do, much cheaper and more, uh, and more practical to do. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I would say we've had very sort of high volumes of professional development from, from, from teachers during the pandemic period. And, and, um, and we, we want to we want to try to maintain that. I think that um, the disadvantage is that um, some aspects of face to face professional development are really crucial. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's not the same being being on a screen. I mean, you know, when you're I mean, as you and I are, Mark, although the people listening to the podcast aren't doing this, we're looking at each other at the moment. We can look into each other's eyes and everything on, on, on here if, you, if we feel so inclined. But we can't. Um, but it's still not the same as if we were in the room together. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that, that what, one of the things that we need to work on really, really carefully is thinking about how we can get the blend right mm -hmm. between face to face and online interaction. The other thing that we've done with, with the online stuff is we've got a whole lot of better online interaction, made it, making it so much more interactive and, and, um, and you know, exciting to do. So I think that, that those, those are positive things, which, which will carry forward, I think, from the pandemic. But, yeah. the, um, but the, the, the immediate concerns, I suppose, for, for, for the children affected are how we can, how we can best get their, their mass education properly on track. And, yes. I, think, and I do think that the, um, this, this kind of teaching mastery principles are the way to do that. To, to, to address the, the the teaching and learning in that way, and so the, these these checkpoints resources that we've got for Key Stage Three, I think I'd, I'd really um, can't emphasise enough that people should have a look at those and think about how they can use them. Find some, find somebody, talk to your math hub, find somebody who's used them because again, uh, I think there's nothing better than you know it's all very well for me to sit up here and say how they are. Find find a, you know get somebody to put you in touch with a teacher who's used them and see what they think. Well, then, I think but, kind of an action for everybody listening is to to go and make contact with their own math hub after this, yeah. and I suspect there will be a lot of people yeah. doing so. So, kind of finally, you know, what what are your thoughts for the immediate future, and what would be your long term dream for mathematics in the UK? Okay, so I think that my my long term dream, first of all, you won't be surprised to hear me say this, is, is that is that people should study maths to age eighteen. And yeah. now, now there are two ways you can do that. You can make it compulsory or you can make it so it's a no brainer that you wouldn't just choose to do it. I'd much rather it was the latter is the way to do it. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that, that so, so that's, that's one aspect. I think the, the idea that, that maths is, is viewed by, by everybody has been a really useful tool. You know, it's not something that you do to pass an exam. It's something that yeah, the exact passing exam is a side effect of a maths education. You know, the mm -hmm. purpose for the maths education is so that you can use maths and be an effective person in your life and work and everything. That's what you want. And to have that attitude out there would be great. To have a kind of a growth mindset for maths would be great. So a different attitude. I think that um, the, the kind of another thing, something I'm doing a bit of work at the moment actually, is kind of the, the interaction between maths and science and maths and computing and not, and not having things siloed. You know, the, okay. the, you know, kids get taught, taught, they get taught sort of massy things in science. They talk, get taught massy things in maths at a completely different time. And many kids never see the relationship between what they've done in one subject area and what they've done in another. Yeah. It'd be great to try to sort that out. And, and I think computing, again, I mean, it's, it's got a, there, there are areas there where we should be exploring how those things link together in a coherent way. Then just a really big thing, let, let's get core maths sorted out. Mm -hmm. let, let's make it so that, Rather than twelve thousand students a year, which, as you said, Mark, it is, it's remarkable, really. I mean, in six years, for a qualification to grow in that way—no, not six yep. years, it's five years—for a qualification to grow in that way is really impressive. But, if, for example, 
I mean, it's the number of students that do core maths is roughly the same as the number of students that do A level law. It's more yeah. than the number of students that do that do A level French, for example, or A level Spanish. But but because it's something that you should be doing alongside your level three program, actually, we should have we should have six figures of students doing core maths. Yes, and and that that I think is where I want us to get. And I, don't, I, I don't think see I think maybe there's a perception out there that it's instead of a sub, uh, a student's yeah, main subject exactly. rather than in addition to. Exactly, it is not an instead thing. It's saying it's saying that that um, you know, if you're not doing a, if you're not doing maths or maths A level, but you're on a level three program, then your your work in, in your current course will be supported by core maths, and also your future in higher education and employment will be supported by core maths. So it's so it's not a it's not a why isn't it an A level? It's not A level because it's not trying to be. It's trying to be something that you do alongside an A-level program or alongside a level three vocational program. And for those people listening, you know, if you if you want to push this in your centre, it currently qualifies for the advanced maths premium. It does currently qualify for the advanced maths premium. That's right. Um, and um, it's um, you say, it, it, and it, it gets UCAS points like like an AS level does. So yep. so yeah, it, it's it's a thing with currency, and it, it's a, you know it's a highly thought of qualification. But I mean, another thing I'd say about core maths is that students and teachers that have been involved in it rave about it so again it's the proof of the pudding isn't it you know the people yep. that, are, that are actually are actually have actually tasted it like the taste so <laughs> i think that, that, that that's a, a, another thing i'd recommend so so yeah so future of mass education i think other other things are i'd like there to be and and, and in some ways what's happening with the with, with the, the the mass hubs is, is is an inkling of this i'd like it to be subject specific career structures for teachers okay and, and i'm really keen on this idea of collaborative working so we, we've looked at um in fact, we, we started to think about this with the mass hubs, and they found the kind of research a bit later, really. But there's um, there's uh, some some North American researchers called Hargreaves and Fullen. Again, quite famous um, educational research. It's not specifically mass, but it's about collaborative practice mm -hmm. and the idea that you know if, if you put training into a teacher, then you're you're kind of you're you're looking at sort of human capital. You're 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 helping that individual if you like to get better. But what you want to do is to try to get a collaboration going between teachers that are being trained, uh, uh, not just being not, not just being trained, that, that are on a continual professional development pathway throughout their yep. career, that they're working together and collaborating, and that way you're kind of building what what they, the researchers call professional capital. You know that it's a mm -hmm. it's a kind of a, a, a big kind of career thing, but it's a subject specific thing. You know you are a an expert maths teacher, and because of that role, you know you're working in classroom with students, but also you're working with teachers in your own school and teachers in other schools as well. And we're all kind of working together to try and to try and do what we do better as a as a as you know a, a, you know, a big project if you like and that, that that's what that that's the, the that's the dream of the of the, the mass hubs program really that, that, we, that we can come out with something like that and have and make it so that if you are um i mean one of the things that happens in a career structure in teaching is that you're you might be a really excellent teacher but if you want more more, more status and more pay and all those things you might go from being an excellent teacher to being a rubbish manager you might also go from <laughs> being an excellent teacher to being an excellent manager as well that's true yes but, but, but you, know, you come but, further away from the teaching. Yeah, yeah, you come further away from the teaching. So, so no, I, I think I, I'd like I'd like something like that to develop would be great. But yeah. Well, thank you very much for speaking to us, Charlie. It's been absolutely brilliant. You know, thank you for everything that you do in the world of mass education, and long may it continue. Okay, well, thanks very much, boys. It's been a, it's been great to talk to you. I, I don't know what it's going to sound like, but but hopefully, hopefully, it seems reasonably coherent. Thanks very much. <laughs> thanks, Charlie.